What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are bringing you another Q&A, and per usual, I am joined by Coach Andrea. Andrea, how has your week been? It's been pretty good. It, it's been okay. So I've started to kind of feel sick in the last couple of days. So training has been just kind of like a deload. Um, so that's not fun. <laughs> uh, other than that, though, everything's been good. Okay. You're just coming out with like a head cold or what's going on there? Oh, I don't know. Nick was sick um, for like two or three days, just like where he didn't even leave the bedroom. Oh, wow. So I, I really don't know what it was. Just like a fever and really not feeling well at all. Uh, I didn't get it nearly as bad. I've still been like, I've been able to train just more of like a deload style and taking it really easy and, okay. you know, getting all the normal stuff done. So okay. I was lucky. So um, that really ties in very well, actually, to one of the questions we have in the Q and a today also, but as a whole, it sounds like more or less kind of the normal week for you. Not a lot to update us on there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Yeah, you are re- uh, refeeding today right yeah um yeah from my end um what we are battle or the photo shoot is the 25th so we are what 19 days out from that feeling in a pretty good place there got down to what i've been 181 to 182 the last couple days so we are what since i started working with brandon we are down uh 17 18 pounds there feeling pretty lean too um week before the first photo shoot that I did was which was my previous leanest like going into that final like peak week um I was 185 and I for sure have a decent amount more muscle now than I did then as well so I'm definitely like the leanest I've ever seen myself and um like you said um today and tomorrow I have a refeed which is wonderful i honestly it's crazy like i feel like i have so much more energy right now i know like on our call it's like wow this is insane how much more energetic i can feel post-workout so what we're at i think is normally what was that is this a practice for yeah so also part of what we're doing as you said is to collect data so that we can bring the best possible look to the shoot at least from my understanding so like i'm sending him pictures before i train middle of my training session and after my training session today and tomorrow, which are my two higher carb days. Again, we're taking carbs up to 420. And I believe they've been like, they haven't been too terribly low on my training days. Actually, I believe they've been like 230, but it just still feels like so much more food. Um, so I'm shooting in pictures before training, during training, and after training. And then just kind of assessing how those are looking. And again, we're looking at those on day one of the refeed, day two of the refeed, and then after the refeed to just kind of get a feel for like how my body responds. But already, like I feel so much more full, but it's, it's funny too. Like, and I feel like you don't really notice that much, like how much your energy has kind of decreased <laughs> until yeah. you like, eat more. And that's like today it's like, wow, I feel crazy right now. <laughs> I have so much energy. Um, so it's been great. I am really enjoying it, but basically just honestly keeping my food selection the same. I'm not like trying to work in a lot of flexible foods or anything like that. Just eating the same foods as normal and larger quantities. I mean, today, like my post-workout meal was 175 grams of carbs. So normally I just do rice, but I didn't want to do 175 grams of just white rice. So I did like some strawberries, some white rice some cream of rice, um, and some honey, but yeah, so far so good. Um, I'm really stoked to see how training goes the next couple days here. Um, 
Well, we taken a deload last week. Was feeling a little bit rough after we'd been pushing it hard for a good like ten weeks, and then I've just felt so much better since then as well. But yeah, really feeling good. Kind of getting into the home stretch here. Um, the goal for us was to kind of have me ready early so we could play around with things like this, and I think that we've accomplished that pretty well. And it is cool to see, like, I'm definitely feeling leaner than I've ever been before, like seeing like new um, separation in my quads and things that I've never seen before. So been a pretty cool experience so far, but as a whole, I would say things are going pretty well. Um, any questions on all that before we dig into the Q and a for the week? Uh, no, let's do it. Cool. All right. Um, first question, I'm going to kick over to you as this does seem pretty relevant to what you were just discussing. What to do when you are sick and in a deficit? Do you raise calories to aid recovery? So I think that uh, really depends on how sick you are. Uh, and then the other aspect of this is your maintenance is not going to be the same as when you're moving around and doing all your normal daily tasks. So if you normally maintain on let's say 2,200 calories. Well, if you're laying in bed all day sick, your maintenance would not be 2,200 calories. So even if you do raise it up, I think that that's just one thing to be um, aware of. And then also like a lot of times when you're sick, that's not something that you're really thinking about. Like you don't have the same appetite to get in all of the food anyway. So I always just tell clients, Hey, let's just go buy appetite and, um, by what is going to digest well. So if you're really sick, that's what I would say. Now, if it's like how I'm feeling right now, where I'm still fine and moving around, I'm still eating my deficit calories. And I, I don't feel like that that's going to impact me at all because it's, it's not like anything serious. Um, if I, felt like that was going to eat into recovery resources, then that's a, a good time to go ahead and maybe eat a little bit more if you have the appetite for it. But again, there's just like so many variables there. You, you probably aren't going to be tightly controlling it that way. Yeah, I, I agree with nutrition. If somebody's in a deficit, it is very rare that I would actually like bring calories back up to maintenance i will almost always deload the individual that week though or even like sometimes it'll be like hey if it's just like a head cold for example let's just play it up by ear depending on how you're feeling i do think if you're sick like trying to push through in your training first if you're sick and it's something that could get other people sick it's somewhat rude to like spread yeah, that around everyone that. else but also within that like I feel like that is an area where we can drag it out a bit longer if you're really like trying to push hard and like a lot of physical exertion. That said, as you said, for a lot of individuals in a deficit, the appetite just really isn't there. It's not very high. So oftentimes if it's like, and also maintenance does change, like if we're deloading, if you're going to be a little bit less active. So we can be in a place where we're just trying to force feed calories. And I don't necessarily, I've never seen that be something that's productive in like helping someone get over sickness quicker. Again, I do think there's a lot more merit to deloading or pulling back on training at least a bit, but I, I personally don't bring calories up hardly ever in that situation and again and again people typically are going to lean more towards like under eating versus overeating or even like eating at their target so a lot of times i'll even talk to through clients like hey let's do our best to focus on food quality nutrient dense foods um trying to do your best to get to your protein goals but at the end of the day 
if you just feel like you're force feeding yourself to try to get this down, I don't want you to feel like you have to do that for these next couple of days where you're sick. So, um, yeah, I personally don't typically bring calories up either there. Yeah. Well, what you got for me? All right. First question. Can carry an extra 10 or five to 10 pounds be detrimental to your health? Oh man, that depends quite a bit. Um, so I think this really ties into a conversation I had a lot this week, which is around the scale, right? Where when we're looking at physique development, our goal is essentially to get heavier over time. And we work with almost exclusively women. So this is something that we talk with a lot of, not that this is a like challenge that's relative to just women. I But I feel like at least anecdotally, I know a lot of times like, men typically want to be heavier and really associate like seeing the scale go up. And I don't want to like be too stereotypical here, but just from like what I've seen, typically associate the scale going up with, I am getting more jacked, right? Where a lot of times I think women tend to lean more towards like, okay, scale going up is a bad thing. But again, we have to understand, like I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday in their DMs. Hey, if your amount of body fat is staying the exact same. We're not in a deficit. So therefore we know we're not losing body fat. If we're not slowly seeing your weight increase over time, you're probably just not building muscle tissue, right? So within that, because muscle tissue as has to muscle has weight, right? It's not just like something weightless that can add to our body and just as shape without adding weight. It also ha- like has weight. So if we are go looking at your progress from one fat loss phase to the next, right? Let's say we go through a fat loss phase, building phase, a fat loss phase. Let's say we do that over the course of two years. Our goal is like either A, or you to be heavier at any given body fat percentage, right? So let's say like last time you were at 15% body fat, you were 135. This time you're at 15% body fat, you are 138 cool. You probably gained a good amount of muscle or for you to look leaner at the same body weight as before, which would again, tell us you added more muscle and your body fat percentage is lower at that same weight versus where you were previously. So like literally the goal is to get heavier. So I don't think it's nearly as black and white as like is being five to 10 pounds heavier, bad thing. Now, if we're talking about like five to 10 pounds of body fat heavier, it depends also on how lean you were previously. I would say now I don't I don't encourage anyone to like go like use skinfold calipers or like hop in a hop in a um, BIA calculator and try to measure your body fat. But I do think like when we're talking about this, we can look at these rough ranges of body fat. It's kind of a good way to dictate whether we are in a healthy percentage of body fat or not. Right? We know for a lot of women specifically. If we're dipping too low, so generally like, and this is going to vary quite a bit by individual as well, but for a lot of women, if we're dipping too far below like 15 to 16% body fat, we're really dipping like below those essential body fat needs that your body is, does does that number sound about right to you? Like 15 to 16%. If we're dipping too far below that, we're going to be... So it's important to understand that a lot of your hormones literally come from the amount of fat cells that you have on or the size of fat cells on your frame. And alongside that, when we deplete too much body fat, it sends a signal to your body 
that. So we have a certain amount of essential body fat we need for health. And again, this is higher for women than it is for men. So when we dip too far below that, our body sense is going to sense like, Hey, we don't have very many energy stores or fat stores available. Thus something like reproduction, like having a child right now, we wouldn't be able to support that. So then we'll start to see down regulation and things like sex hormones. And that can lead to a lot of other issues, but within that. So, I mean, it depends on how lean we are, I would say for most. And again, like, I don't want to get too caught up in the numbers, but just in general ranges, like anywhere between like 16 to 25%, 16 to maybe up to like 30% body fat for a lot of women can be a pretty healthy amount. And again, I don't, I don't really like, like, I don't want this to be looked at as something that's like too black and white. I think if we're getting too far above that number, then like, yes, an additional five to 10 pounds of body fat may be somewhat more detrimental to your health. But again, it really depends on kind of where you're at currently and how lean you are. For some people, five to 10 pounds, five to 10 pounds more body fat, like if you're shredded, five to 10 pounds more body fat probably would improve your health. You might have better energy. You might have better libido. Again, we aren't dipping so low that we're dipping to the point where like we're we are at or below those like levels of essential body fat that we need. So again, for some people, it could be helpful. Um, what's your thoughts on all of that? Yeah. So whenever you started answering that way, it made me like wonder if I read it correctly. Cause whenever I first read it, I thought, okay, like if a normal weight person added five to 10 pounds of body fat, but it didn't say body fat. I just said weight. So yeah, I think the, the, amount of muscle versus body fat you're adding does matter. But if you're starting from a healthy weight, it's probably not going to have detrimental health effects to add five to 10 pounds. And the, the range of healthy is so large too. So like if you're teetering on that top end, it, that still, I think depends. Like if you're tipped over into the next category of overweight, then that still probably highly depends on what foods you ate to gain that five or 10 pounds. Are you active? Like all kinds of different variables there. So uh, yeah, I think that that just depends on so many different factors. Yeah. But in general, again, I think that that's a pretty decent summary. I would just be very cautious. I would look at body composition. I would look at strength again, look at biofeedback, um, things like energy, sleep, how your training performance is, how your recovery is, how your pumps are in the gym, things of that nature. Um, and I mean, we could even get a little bit deeper into like blood work and things like that, but it's kind of, what's that visceral fat versus like other, um, types of body fat is another thing that matters. Like if you're storing an extra five to 10 around your organs, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, but I would definitely be cautious of just looking at it as like more weight equals bad or in some situations even more body fat equals bad again there's like a very broad range we have that could be healthy and if you're gaining if you primarily gain five to ten pounds of muscle tissue you're probably going to be healthier than you were previously so it's largely context dependent but i don't think where do you think that tips over so like for for guys that are doing bodybuilding or you know i say guys because that's who is probably going to get to that point where do you think that tips over into being unhealthy, even though they're lean? Cause you know, like the bodybuilding pros, they're not healthy, even though they're like 3% body fat. That is a great question as well. And, um, I know like a lot of like pro bodybuilders will have to wear CPAP because they have sleep apnea, for example. Yeah. Just a big neck. <laughs> like, I don't think that that's 
necessarily going to be healthy. Of course, the CPAP is going to help offset that, but like sleep apnea is going to be a very, very unhealthy thing to have, especially if it's not something that we're addressing. Yeah. Eventually I think you just get, um, like heavy to a point where it stresses your heart and other organs, even without, well, I don't know. I don't know if you could get to that point without performance enhancement. That's the other thing here is I don't think that natural individuals outside of maybe just the most freakiest outliers genetically, I don't think very many natural individuals ever are going to get to the point where it's, you have too much muscle tissue to the point where it's actually detrimental to your health. I think that's, again, for yeah. most people who aren't on PEDs, I think that's incredibly uncommon. I honestly don't know how to answer that question very well because we don't work with anybody who is in the enhanced right, yeah. Um I don't think I have anything else to add there unless you have any other thoughts. Nope. Okay, cool. All right. Next one I have for you. If a person works out four days a week and follows their macro plan, how long before results? Again, that one depends on so many factors. Um, And also even just like with the question, if that means visually or results on the scale, or if they mean how long before they reach their goal, Um, it's really hard to even know where to start answering it because, um, if it's visually that takes longer than starting to see the scale move down. Um, wait, did they say fat loss or is this just, I think it's safe to assume probably fat loss is the primary outcome. I didn't want to assume that if that weren't the case. Um, so if it's someone looking for fat loss and they, uh, start their diet and they're in a large enough calorie deficit, Week one, they'll most likely see the scale move, um, almost certainly within the first two weeks. If their deficit isn't large enough, though, that's not going to be the case. Or if there's other factors like they started eating a lot more higher volume food or um, started lifting and they're sore, like those things will impact the scale. But in general, in the first couple of weeks, you'll start to see the scale go down and potentially measurements as well. Uh, visually, it really can take a long time, especially for yourself to notice a difference. Um, you might not start noticing like your pants fit better or something like that. Um, in terms of getting to the goal, uh, if that's the way that this question was, I'm not sure I can answer that at all. Cause it really depends on how far they are from that goal. Um, I think that that was all of the <laughs> potential routes that I, I was thinking through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you said, we can see weight drop. We can see measurements drop pretty considerably actually in the first week, right? So that is something, and we're talking about fat loss here, we can see the changes very, very quickly there within the first couple of weeks. Now, when it comes to visual progression, as you said, I mean, from like the your first day to month one, we can typically see, like if we are seeing a quick rate of loss, we can typically see some pretty solid visual changes. Um, I will really say for most people, it's typically around like the three month mark of doing things very consistently where it starts to be like, damn, we're starting to see some solid changes. I would say for most individuals like that we post, for example, when we post like a side by side transformation picture, most of those are about a six to eight month process. Some of those are over a year, right? So And that's not necessarily the timeline people want to hear, but I mean, the reality for like a transformation like that is it does just take time. Um, When it comes to building muscle 
within the first, I mean, from week one to week two, especially if you're new to training, you can see like neurological gains very quickly. So basically you'll see strength gains very quickly. I don't think we see meaningful hypertrophy in the research until at least like two to four weeks of consistently training and movement. So to actually notice, like I'm building more muscle, I'm looking quite a bit more jacked again, like if you're brand new to this, you're making solid newbie gains that first month, we could maybe see a bit of progress around that three month mark. You really start to see quite a bit more. And again, like six to eight months in is when we can really start to notice some impressive, impressive visual changes there as well. But I would really say like in general, again, this is a lot longer than most people want to hear, but if we're looking at like, and this is also context dependent on where you're at. Like if you're, it's, I've been nailing my training for a very long time. I'm already pretty lean and we're in a building phase. Even like over the course of six months, we might not be able to see a huge amount of muscle growth because the reality is like in a situation like that, again, if it's like Andrea or myself, we've been training for 10 plus years, very consistently. We've been nailing all the variables. Even then, like if it's, Hey, we're gaining a half to three quarters of a pound muscle per month, then it's, we're crushing it. Right. We're super happy with that. Um, so again, that's a long period of time to like really see large changes there. But speaking more to a beginner, again, like within like that six to eight month time frame, typically, if you're nailing all those variables, we can see a pretty impressive transformation. Um, I don't think I have, I guess your other point about like the training blurring the data, I think is a helpful one um, when it comes to weight loss. So if you are starting a fat loss program and right away, you're hopping into a deficit, which isn't something we do all that frequently, but if like day one, you're hopping into a deficit and you're also starting resistance training or you're just starting a new training program for the first time, that novelty will create quite a bit of soreness and inflammation, which will cause you to retain a little bit more water. So like in a situation like that, it's not abnormal for us to see like, Hey, maybe we saw measurements shift and it looks like you're losing body fat, like all our other metrics, like there's a bit of hunger here. Those things are in place, but because you're retaining more water from this increase in inflammation, we didn't see the scale drop. So that's pretty normal week one, but typically like by the end of week two, we'll start to see the scale move down a bit more. Um, past that, I don't think I really have anything else to add there. Do you? One last thing is if someone is starting with like 20 plus pounds to lose, they're going to notice it a lot quicker than someone that's lean and trying to get leaner. So that's, that's just one more thing is I've seen a lot of people that are starting out from a really lean position already, not really see a ton of movement in the scale as much as they'll see in pictures and measurements. Oh, absolutely. That's like, I would say it kind of works on a sliding spectrum where typically if it's like, Hey, I have 30 plus pounds to lose. We're basing it primarily on the scale and we don't seem to see as much, um, as larger changes in progress pictures during that time on the flip side, like when I'm getting someone ready for a photo shoot, for example, those last like six to eight weeks, a lot of times as much as anything else, we're basing changes off of what we're seeing in progress pictures. So it does seem to kind of work on a sliding spectrum there as much as anything else. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. What else you got for me? Next question. Yep. All right. Next one is what is a reasonable or healthy amount of weight to fluctuate in daily maintenance life? Um, yeah, this is a good question. So again, it's going to somewhat depend on your body size and the heavier you are, the larger of a fluctuation we can see. So we're just talking about like, and I would also always say like, weigh yourself first thing in the morning after using the restroom before eating or drinking anything. 
Otherwise, there are just so many variables that kind of come into play with like the food we're eating throughout the day that I really wouldn't like take stock in your weight any other time outside of that. I would say really though, for most clients, again, if you're somewhere between like 110 to 150 pounds, I would say on average, like two, like at maintenance, we will typically see larger fluctuations. And part of, part of being at maintenance is typically there is going to be more diversity in someone's diet, right? Typically we are going to be working in a little bit more flexible food. We'll have days of higher fiber, days of lower fiber. Um, there's typically things are less consistent from day to day as far as your food intake. So that can cause a lot more fluctuations. And then also we have to take into consideration, like how's that impacted your digestion, which could also play a role here. Um, where are you at in your monthly cycle, for example, that of course can play a role as well, but I would say generally about two to three pounds, um, is pretty normal. And I mean, same thing for measurements. We'll see a lot more fluctuation in measurements up and down where, Typically, I kind of try to look for an anchor point. Okay, so let's say that your navel is, let's say typically like that navel measurement, let's say that anchor point is 27. It's not abnormal. And for the same reasons, as I mentioned, weight fluctuates, it's not abnormal in your body measurements to see like, hey, some weeks that bounces up to 28, some weeks that are like 27.75, some weeks that bounces down to 26. But again, as long as we're not consistently seeing that trend up like 28, 29, if that was larger than an inch, that's probably where it starts to be concerned. But um, typically like that plus or minus an inch on the navel measurements specifically is pretty normal. But again, like scenes I want to go like, okay, we bounced up to 28, we bounced back down to 26. Now we're at 27. That's pretty normal as well. And as a whole, again, people are typically going to see a lot more fluctuations in a maintenance phase or a building phase. What thoughts do you have on all of that? I agree. I will also add that um, if you are in a deficit I've also seen, um, like if you're eating out or something like that and like having, um, a, an untracked meal or refeed type of meal or something like that, where you're not eating your normal deficit meals, I will see a lot crazier, um, fluctuation in weight. And that's just because whenever you're in a deficit, your baseline is like, a little less sodium because you just have less food in general, less food um, volume in your stomach, less carbs and things like that. So you're kind of like this wrung out sponge. And so you go out to eat or something and see a lot larger fluctuation. Whereas in maintenance, you're like a full sponge <laughs> as a baseline. And so you don't get as crazy of a fluctuation in that kind of a scenario, but just like the day-to-day -day eating your normal food, um, yeah, you'll, you'll get really consistent weigh-ins if you're being consistent with your food and deficit. Whereas like you said, it's a little bit more, um, a, a little bit more up and down with maintenance. Yeah, that's a great point. Actually, I would say in a deficit for sure, we can exceed like that two to three pound mark. If it's like food intake is very, very consistent. We have calories very low. And let's say you like take an untracked meal or we have a meal out and we go over our calorie targets, or maybe we even work it into our calorie targets. But it's like, I saved up a large amount of my calories to like go eat uh, Chipotle, for example, that can cause. And again, it's not, I think there is also helpful to look through like, okay, let's say the scale spiked up four pounds. Okay. How much weight? So let's say that you were in a let's say your deficit calories are 1500. Let's say your maintenance calories are approximately 2000. So within that we have to work, I think it's also helpful, like in a situation like this to work through, 
how many calories would we actually had had to have eaten to have gained four pounds of body fat? So we know roughly this isn't perfect, but we know roughly we need to eat about 3,500 calories over our maintenance intake to gain a single pound of body fat. So your maintenance is 2,000 right away. That means you would have had to eat 5,500 calories to gain even a single pound of body fat. But if we're looking at like four pounds, that's um, you would have to be in a total of what is that 14,000 or 16,000? 14,000 plus the 2,000 for maintenance. So 16,000. 16,000 16, calories, which is like, again, 10,000 calorie eating challenges are, like a, are a thing on YouTube that people fail all the time. And it's like these massive dudes trying to eat 10,000 calories and they can't. So that's essentially impossible to do over the course of a day. So I think like just being able to understand that of data objectively is helpful, but we're kind of aside from the original topic now. Any other thoughts yeah. on all that? Uh-uh. Okay, cool. Well, in that case, that is all we have for you for this week, team. As always, thank you for tuning in and we will catch you guys next time.